I'm Corey Novotny. I'm Brian Wells. And you're listening to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. So uh, this weekend, we lost a very funny, iconic actor in Matthew Perry. I think that was a, a very shocking loss for me to see, mostly because I found out very late on Saturday night and was not expecting to see that. But uh, definitely someone I think makes sense to talk about. We've definitely talked about Friends a lot. I feel like Chandler Bing has been an answer on top fives in the past, uh, particularly from you. So Yeah, for sure. I, I was definitely... I was definitely a fan of the show, even though I know deep down it was very corny. Uh, I still enjoyed the show, but I think the one of the biggest reasons why, if not the biggest reason, was because of Matthew Perry's character and Chandler Bing, or Shenandler Bong, <laughs> as he liked to put it. Uh, but yeah, def- definitely, I don't know, it was definitely a great character, and definitely, um, I, f- I feel like he was the most relatable character least to me and the funniest but also had the best character development from the beginning of the show to the end of the show where where he was really funny in the beginning and not that he wasn't funny towards the end of the show but he matured more as the show went on and um very relatable very likable character and and just actor and person in general as well even if he had some troubles in the past right yeah, which I mean, I think that's pretty common, especially in Hollywood, you know, someone who ends up in, in that situation and just, you know, becoming famous overnight, especially a show like Friends. I mean, that that was like the most popular sitcom for a decade. So uh, it, it's not too surprising to have, you know, things kind of come out of that. I think I've never been the biggest like, er, sorry, let me rephrase that. I've never been like a friend super fan, someone who's like gone through and like binge the whole show start to finish. But I've always enjoyed it whenever, you know, it's come on. I'm either hanging at my parents' house and they put on, you know, reruns on TBS or whatever and used to be on Nick at Night. Like, I think that it gets a ton of hate, like too much I, hate I, these I, days. Yeah, I, I, it, see, it's easy for me to say that because I did like the show, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just, there are, th- there are certain things like friends or Nickelback or whatever. Like there are just certain things that get too much hate or, or it's too, or people think it's cool to hate the hate right. something. Right. And, and I think that friends, the pendulum swung way too far in terms of like the way people talk about it. And, you know, at, at least the, the negativity where it feels like that's a show that a lot of people call out and say, Oh, it's not the funny. Like it's like the most over yeah, show people ever, do the like all that people will, there are videos out there of not just friends but other shows where oh if you take the laugh track out like mm-hmm. see how lame this show is like, you could do that with a lot of shows big barry yeah. big bang theory I still thinks lame i don't care laugh track or not but <laughs> but but well, uh well, go ahead no i say i think that just speaks to the fact that all these shows were on network tv and now all of a sudden you see shows on like you know netflix and other streaming services where they don't have to play by the same rules that you have with um what is it the fcc or whoever the the tv people are so i think that's just natural is that you you can only make certain jokes you know you can only get you know tv 14 whatever and i think you kind of rely on the laugh track a little too much because of that no for sure but yeah i was someone that did watch it from start to finish only once not like i did Mm -hmm. a a bunch I, i watched it start to finish probably six seven years ago something like that and and then yeah like you said i've only seen it since then, I've only seen it 
uh, like on TBS or Nick at Night occasionally. And it's a good comfort show, I guess. Right. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. So, um, so I agree that it got too much hate, but that's coming from me that was a fan of the show. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Chandler, Chandler Bing's, uh, Matthew Perry's character in Chandler Bing uh, was definitely, definitely my favorite. And I don't know, it that one definitely hurt in terms of like the celebrity personalities. Um, like there are ones that you hear about like, man, that stinks. But then, then there are ones like this where like that, that stands actually, out a little more. That, that yeah. one stands out a little bit more. Right. Uh, yeah. And hurts, hurts a little bit more, even if it, it's a celebrity and not that you know him personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it feels like for me, at least there have been a lot more celebrities and athlete deaths that have kind of hit closer to home than I always the, thought. The, like, yeah. Tim Wakefield. Matthew Perry, mm-hmm. a couple others that are, that like really stand out and actually, uh, you know, kind of hurt more than just a typical celebrity death. Right, like a lot more where you just kind of like think back to your childhood and growing up and stuff. And I, I think that that's kind of where it comes from is just kind of the realization that okay, people are getting older, we're also getting older, and you know these these celebrities or athletes or whoever that we didn't necessarily know, like we felt like they were at least somewhat part of our lives at various points in time. So it just kind of it's a bit of a I guess a wake up call in in some senses. Oh, and, for, you know, feel no, like you're sure. losing a, like a small part of you, I guess. So no, I I totally agree. Yeah, so uh, definitely a tough loss there. Um, I think it's also just from the the sports perspective. Just uh, the the Adam Johnson story is it, that's a crazy uh, one. Uh, yeah, that's that's a horrible story. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often than right. You I, think I know the, be... I know the NHL they like players they start wearing more protective gear around the yeah, neck the, area, the head and neck area. Yeah, right. But, but it's it's not mandatory. Still. Right. And it's something that like it, it I think it's a freak accident. Uh I know there's a lot of debates on it. I I personally have not watched a video because I don't know what it is. I don't I, want to, to see it. I, I don't but... want to watch it. Right. Uh, th- there are just certain videos uh, certain certain injuries that I don't even want to watch it. Like, remember the remember Kevin Ware at Louisville? Yeah, that was brutal. See that was, see that was one uh, where even though it was hard to watch, I end up like I actually am interested to see this. I do want to watch it, and then after I watch it, I regret it. But right. <laughs> but here, but the, the, ice skate to the that area. Yeah, no, I like, can't. Th- those those are videos. That I don't. Even, I'm not even interested. I don't even want to. There was a. I forgot what the guy's name was, but there was a goalie way back when, and he got cut in that area, and you could see blood dripping down. Yeah, it and, just. I just never. I'm not a fan of blood. I mean, I don't like horror movies because of like the whole slasher piece of it. Like those are the ones like that really I I cannot do. I I don't like horror movies. Yeah, and it's pretty much. Yeah, when when it comes to movies, horror movies are definitely down. I like I I enjoy thriller. I don't like the whole blood and gore stuff. And I think I like I I I can do thriller. I can do suspense, Mm sci-fi. Oh yeah, right. uh, But it's, but. When it comes to just straight up horror, uh, yeah, I can't do that either. Yeah, basically, what I'm just trying to say is like I have no interest in watching videos of people having their necks sliced open by skates. I do remember like there was an incident that happened with a. I think it was Richard Zednick. Yeah, yes, yeah, right, Richard Zednick. I remember that happening. I remember I was, I think I was sick. I was home from school, and that was back in the day when Sports Center would just rerun the same episode, and I just I saw it a few different times, and I would always look away whenever they were showing that highlight. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, it's not very often these days that you have athletes dying in in games. I mean, it's something I've heard stories about it. You know, we had the DeMar Hamlin scenario where it almost happened, but it's just kind of shocking to think about that. There, uh, few, it happens, I don't want to say a lot, but I, I in, in race car driving, whether it's NASCAR or Formula One. Right, yeah, Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt. Uh, I think it was Dan Weldon, if I got that name right. A I don't remember driver. that story, but I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's happened. Uh, there. That Tony, that Tony Stewart incident. Well, that's not. That's a totally different situation. But yeah, where the person was out of the car. But I feel like it happens in those kind of sports more often than the others. But I think in international soccer, like there have been. There's probably like others. I just know the Christian Eriksen thing. I feel like I, I remember seeing and hearing about it happening more there. But uh, yeah, I mean, a player being cut by a skate. Like, that's something that, like, it could happen. You know, you just kind of never really think about the possibility of it. So um, definitely hope that the NHL does more to kind of prevent something like that from happening. I know this happened in England, a different league, but I think I I at least saw the Penguins already said that their minor league affiliates are they're going to mandate having um, head and neck protection. I possibly wrist protection as well. It just seems like something that... You know, this would be the kind of incident where, like, you see it happens and you would think that hockey players, you know, as tough as they are, would not want to die on the ice. So that seems like something that uh, others would be at least open to some of those changes. So I'm amazed that goalies back in the day played without mask, right? They played without masks. They didn't even have masks. Yeah. (laughs) They still shot the puck just as hard. Maybe not, well, not just, not as hard as today's NHL, but still 90 plus miles an hour. Right, uh, slap sh- slap shots to the to the net, and they never played without a mask. That's at one point that's uh, just crazy to me. Can't I know? I can't even imagine that. It just even players without helmets, just in general, like that you too. know, on on the ice, and then you know, of course, like the leather head days of football and you know baseball. I think it it took them a little while to get them in, and it's uh yeah crazy thinking about it today. So. Um, and then I guess just, you know, one other thing, our long national nightmare is over. James Harden has been traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Los Angeles Clippers. And uh, I'm kind of glad that that nothing like that's over with. It's no longer a thing that has to be talked about. I think it's hilarious that the Sixers basically just got salary back. Just a bunch of contracts and Robert Covington, right, Nicholas Batum and Marcus Morris. Yeah, and James, uh, I, I obviously don't like James Harden, but they are worse much worse now yes, without right. him and for uh, what they got in return like they did not they got a lot worse and there's i mean i guess they're still a they're still a playoff team but they're definitely gonna be at the bottom of that range in the the five to eight seed range i don't, I don't yeah, know about, i don't know right. about nine or I mean, ten it, but that's yeah too i far, think but i think that the sixers i mean when you have joel Embiid, he's still an mvp candidate like they're going to have at least some high of a floor but it definitely hurts their ceiling there's no doubt about yeah, that they, they they're basically, basically relying no on tyrese maxey being james harden just but like the good side of it um uh, and i mean for the clippers I uh, I don't if, know. If like, it were six, a... if it was six or seven years ago, oh, they'd be the title favorites. <laughs> but yeah, probably. I mean, they're, but... well, they're fifth right now. But it's just there's no way this possibly works, right? Like this is going to end in disaster, given the franchise and given the players that we're talking about here. This yeah, can't when you have lead to the championship, when you have Harden and West, well, they Harden Westbrook were on the thunder together and it did work even though they didn't win a championship they made it to a championship and 
it that went was for a time, but twelve years ago, right? right? <laughs> Different players now. At least Harden, in Harden's case, definitely much better. I don't know, more more ball dominant player. He's not a sixth man anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like not the, the greatest sixth man in NBA history. He's not like that now, but he's still great. He's obviously still really great. And but I don't know how that fits Westbrook, Harden, and Kawhi on top of and Paul, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's only one ball. <laughs> yeah. There, well, there's one ball, and then how often are you going to see the four of them together anyway? So it's just the way that I'm looking at this is like, okay, the Clippers didn't really have to give up a lot. Might as well kind of take this chance here. Oh, but, yeah. Clip, it's still, it's, I still do it if I'm the Clippers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that they didn't have to give up Terrence Mann or, I mean, they give up one first round pick, but they're also like, <laughs> They put in a lot of eggs in this basket and having it work because James Harden is an unrestricted free agent after the season. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both have player options. This could blow up in their face. And I, I would be more surprised likely that it will it than doesn't. not. Right. But it's the NBA. You got to take chances when you can. And so I'm fine with it from a Clippers standpoint. Even if you, even if you, even if it doesn't work out, just uh, even if I think James Harden's a loser, I, a losing kind of player, I, I'd still do it just because uh, even though Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are great two-way players, they're never healthy. And mm-hmm. hey, if they are healthy, maybe they can make some noise. And then having Westbrook and Harden uh, it definitely makes an impact. So I, I, I'm fine with it from a Clippers standpoint, even if it doesn't work out <laughs> and if it's not a great fit. It's got to yeah, take I certainly... chances. Uh, yeah, I certainly I mean, don't blame them for it, but I, I've long given up on, on the Clippers ever having anything go right, and I just don't yeah, think James I, Harden is going to yeah, be it'll, the, the it'll go Something will go wrong. There'll be a, uh, there'll be a playoff team, uh, and people yeah, will of course. say, hey, look out for this team, but and they'll then, probably lose in the first or second round anyway. Right, and you know when James Harden goes like two for 11 from three in the, yeah, the in final game, game. And then ask for yeah. another trade. Yeah, right. Or, I mean, he just becomes a free agent. And then, yeah, we deal with this process again and again with him. I just think it's so funny that their championship odds increase as greatly as they did. Because, like, look, in in theory, when you add a player like James Harden, you should be a better team. But, I mean, look at this guy's track record when it comes to helping teams win championships. It's not very good. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Ka- Kawhi Leonard is the one guy that you can trust in that department, but... Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you can't trust them to stay healthy. And then Westbrook and Harden, yes, they're talented, but do do their games translate to winning real? I mean, even even playoff (laughs) playoff games, no. (laughs) Yeah, Paul George certainly is is part of that as well. So true. um, Definitely not making any changes to my predictions. You know, I did think that Harden would inevitably end up in the Clippers, but I still don't put them in that top four in the west uh i gotta see everything in action i gotta see these guys on the court together and i gotta see it you know play out pretty well but even come playoff time i, I hope i don't just buy into them because i'm definitely going to you know regret i could anything. see it being this is not a hot take but fifth seed because i do like those other four teams more but I would they could be place. higher than that for sure, but I, yeah. I mean i can i i just don't see this team going to the western conference finals let alone you know, winning a championship. So not walking back on any of my predictions. That's, that's for sure. So anyway, let's, uh, let's move forward now and start talking NFL week eight is in the books. And, uh, 
not the best week for either the Patriots or the Steelers. Uh, both the teams coming off wins that you at least kind of were convincing yourself things look good. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Are you not, sure about that? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the Patriots beat the Bills. So at least it's like, okay, you can kind of start to see it. Like there's proof the Patriots won a game. But it was always if the Patriots beat the Dolphins. And then, you know, went into Miami and did not come out with a win. It wasn't like a blowout or a disaster or anything. But Miami did win 31-17. to And... Patriots are now two and six and kind of back to where things were a couple weeks ago before that Buffalo victory. Yeah, I kind of went into this game looking at the glass half full because if the Patriots were to beat Miami, you could absolutely start talking uh, yourself into thinking, okay, well, we just beat two of the best teams in the AFC. uh, And even though we're even though we're three and five, we got a bunch of winnable games coming up and maybe we can start pushing for a playoff spot, maybe. But I think, uh, but losing this game, I look at it and say, you know what, that was, that one Bills game was just a flash in the pan, and it probably says more about the Bills and the Patriots on, on <laughs> yeah. why the Patriots won that game. And yeah, the the Patriots said it a million times already. It's it's already confirmed that yes, they don't have enough talent to really compete uh, for really anything this season. But <laughs> in that game, I, I don't know, like they're 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 getting outclassed in just every every way um imaginable like not just talent wise but um i don't know i feel like the dolphins just toyed with us even though uh the dolphins didn't certainly didn't play a perfect game there were a lot of times in this game where the dolphins would just convert third and longs and they were even 3 for 3 on fourth down i feel like they were just toying with us uh for the entirety of that game and i i know it was 31 to 17 but i feel like if miami was a little bit sharper they could have I'm not like 70 70 points like Broncos or anything but I feel like they it, I never felt like it was a convincing kind of a game where the Patriots were had any chance of winning uh the way that was looking uh from the start and yeah uh <laughs> I want I want this uh experience to end when it comes to the Patriots I I, I just want it to blow up <laughs> find a new find a new coach new quarterback new everything uh because they're they're not going anywhere. Even even though with all the winnable games coming up that you can talk yourself into, it's just it's not looking great for them. They're they're literally dead last now. Now that the Broncos won, uh, they're they're literally dead last in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I I totally get the frustration, and you know, at this point, wanting to move on. I'm surprised the Patriots didn't trade away anybody at the deadline. I think Kendrick Bourne I'm, tearing his ACL kind of ruined that I, possibility. But yeah, Bourne would have been a good trade piece for other teams that are contending but at the same time I, don't, I wouldn't want to give him give up on him because he's the only thing the only guy that's producing anything offensively but yeah he tore his ACL and yeah the offense is already good it already sucks and now it's just going to be just as bad and yeah I, I guess I sh- am I surprised that the Patriots did nothing not really that's kind of what I expect but at the same time uh, someone like Josh Uche that's a guy that right. I thought for sure would be traded because Look, he's someone that is, you know, he's up at the end of the year, and I don't think the Patriots are bringing him back because I don't think they value Josh Uche like other teams would because, you know, he's someone that's I honestly believe is a really good pass rusher. He had double-digit sacks last season, and he'd make an impact on better teams, and he he'll probably in the you know in the market he'll probably have a really good market and a team will give him a decent contract because I know he's not going to get it here. 
So if if you're not going to pay him, we should get something for him, like a third round pick or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're playing with the the compensation formula, and you're hoping for the best there. But then, if the Patriots, I believe they have cap space, if they just go out and pay other guys instead, then it just kind of cancels it out. I was just surprised that if you're not going to pay him, then why wouldn't you look to move him? You know, yeah, that, Kyle that, Duggar exactly. is another that, situation. Like there are a handful of guys that were like that from that 2020 class. Michael Amanu. So. I would expect the Patriots to then hand out contract extensions to these guys, but see, I... Owenu and Duggar, I can talk myself into thinking that they're here for the long term. At least I, think I, they... I think so as well. I think but, Uche but is Josh a Uche, surprise, but I don't think they value like other teams would because even though he's a really good pass rusher. I, I the Bill uh, uh Belichick. I almost said the Bills, but uh, <laughs> the Patriots. They don't value him as much because apparently he's not great in the run game, or he, um, and so he doesn't fit their scheme as well as other teams probably. And so, yeah, they just don't value him as, like other teams would. And he he really only plays third downs and rushes the passer, and I, it just doesn't make sense that if you're not going to pay him, which I don't look, maybe I'm wrong, maybe they will, but I highly doubt it. So if you're yeah, not going to pay what him, I heard... why don't you get something for him? Right. So that that just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean from what I heard it doesn't sound like there's a contract in the the works there. There've been maybe some efforts or whatever. It didn't really go anywhere. It, part of it might just be the nature of the NFL. I mean the trade deadline there's all this hype into like all these potential players that could be moved and you end the, up with the, a the, few the, guys. The NBA but... trade de- trade deadline is the real great deadline right. there were nba moves today <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> the, biggest, right? the, the biggest move of the day was, yeah, was wasn't the james even the harden. nfl it was yeah. james harden right i mean yeah, the nba even, lives it up to the hype when it comes yeah to nba trades. trade deadline even mlb's trade deadline there's like always big names on the move like there's i used to love mlb trade on. deadline way more back in the day so you could probably speak for that more than i could but well no i think that's part of it is just you just don't necessarily care about other True. teams i mean there's they were there were players on the move this year you know i talk about the world like, series like Scherzer, guys yeah. right exactly so like they're they're always big names yeah um nfl you just don't see it as often which it is kind of crazy thinking back i don't know a decade ago it's like oh there have been like 10 in-season trades like that's so many more than you ever used to see but i think that fans just kind of assume that every team is going to be making moves and i don't know if it's a salary cap or you know debates on what kind of picks to give up for partial season players and you know wanting to get fair value or also just not feeling like you can integrate a player into a scheme in the middle of a season with you know no training camp and everything involved but it's just it, you just end up in situations like this where you you kind of think that okay your team is either going to trade a bunch of players and get a bunch of picks or they're going to acquire a bunch of players and fix some of problems and then nothing happens so it's kind of deflating feeling and it's deflating feeling when the Patriots even, uh, even I would have been fine if they were sellers at this point, but they, they right, just do, something, yeah, just get do something anything, back. just do uh, anything to show that there's some sort of hope for this team, whether even if it's farther down the line, uh, show that you, <laughs> I don't know, it's 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 kind of disappointing that they did nothing really, and it's just gonna. Just be the same uh, for the rest of the year. Although, again, more winnable schedule games on their schedule in the second half than probably in the first half, given that they right. faced Miami twice and and the Eagles and the Bills, even Dolphins, them, but do- yeah, or sorry, Dolphins, Cowboys, yeah, Cowboys, Cowboys. Yeah. yeah, right. 
Uh, yeah, so, I mean the yeah. Sealies started two and six last year and finished nine and eight, taking advantage of a, a winnable schedule. You know, things kind of coming together late in the season. So it's it's certainly not impossible for the Patriots to string together a lot of wins here down the stretch. But it also has a negative side. Is like if you don't turn it into a shocking playoff berth, then all you're doing is hurting your draft position and convincing yourself the team is better than it really is. So exactly, and and I <laughs> look, I want him, I want him to tank and. Which I know is kind of this. I'm gonna conflict myself a little bit because, uh, you know, more like I said last week, more times than not, I feel like teams that do tank, they kind of remain losing teams. But you also brought up a great point that well, we saw the Bengals backdoor into almost winning a Super Bowl because they had Joe Burrow yeah. fell, fall in their lap and then Jamar Chase the very next year, and so even though there are more examples of, uh. It teams it, it doesn't work out for them. There are examples of where tanking actually does kind of help. And it does, and it's there's also like there there. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on kind of lucking into draft spots, and then also you know the franchise how you're able to evaluate players and actually being able to capitalize on the moves. And I I agree in the most part is losing franchises. You know, losing leads to more losing. It just builds a losing culture. I think that's exactly. something that. Uh, is a, a factor now I would say that the majority of like real fans who have kind of been through this process can tell you that the formula is go into the game rooting for your team expect you know hoping for a win but then you're not shocked when they lose and then you can look at you know the NFL draft mock drafts and see how high you are and players you're you're picking afterwards and feel okay about it so yeah I think I, that yeah even, that to me is though, the best approach well look at the mock draft it's like oh wow Okay, Caleb Williams, but he's going to go one no matter who, who's there. And it'll probably likely be the Bears or Cardinals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the next guy's after him and Drake May and it's it's like a couple tackles and it's like great. Yeah. It's going to if, if that's if, Yeah, I think that's just what's going to happen. They'll just take although their O-line is a mess and I do think it is a huge need. It's still not a right. a sexy it's, kind of move like oh, it's a, no. another tackle. Great. Yeah, I mean, well you could bring in a guy like Marvin Harrison potentially, but then it's also like, you know, the you have a nice absolutely suck when it comes to drafting uh, receivers in the in the top part of that draft or just any part of the draft really. He feels it's like, like Julian, can't miss. Though. Julian Edelman which I don't even know if that counts because he was a quarterback in college. Right. Well, he was a seventh round pick, right? And he was a seventh round pick. Like that was the best draft pick in terms of receivers that we made. And everyone, pretty much everyone else has been average or below average or just straight up bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know uh, Tyquan Thornton is uh, that's another a one. Another that's one. always going to be. Even just a day after the draft. Uh, like that pick it's probably not gonna work out if he was supposed to go in the fourth round and we're the ones that took him and then the Steelers who have a great track record of taking receivers take the guy that was touted as a (laughs) as a Uh, first or second rounder it's like great I think I know how this is gonna play out (laughs) yeah yeah I mean early returns it's uh it's hard to say that you uh those initial inclinations were were wrong so um yeah i mean so the patriots like you said the schedule does get a little easier here coming up but uh you know being two and six certainly kind of puts that team in a bit of a hole um i mean i guess kind of a good transition talking about you know george pickens as a sealers moving on to a sealers team and uh you know the sealers are four and three but it just every week it's the same kind of thing and it's just a matter of does the formula play out or 
does it not work? And this was a case where the formula didn't work. You know, Steelers had a great offensive showing at the end of the game against the Rams. I convinced myself, okay, Jacksonville Jaguars, good football team. I'm very high on them this year. Can, you know, maybe pull off a, you know, everything comes together, pull off a big win. This team is in a great spot. And, uh, the offense was just absolutely brutal to watch in this one. I mean, even the defense did everything. Defense made three turnovers, three stops in the red zone. And, you know, the offense couldn't really do much. It was one 93-yard field goal drive. And then Kenny Pickett gets hurt. And even before he got hurt, wasn't playing all that great. And, uh, and Mitch Trubisky comes in and turns the ball over. <laughs> right. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, watching Mitch Trubisky play definitely uh, makes me appreciate Kenny Pickett more. But <laughs> yeah, Kenny Pickett, I would too. <laughs> he's really not a significant upgrade. And it's like, look, I still have issues with Matt Canada. I don't think that he should remain the Steelers offensive coordinator any longer, you know, let alone, you know, just past this season, like past this week. But, you know, as much as I want to try to convince myself that the Steelers have good offensive players who look bad because they're playing because of the offensive scheme they're in, I think it's just possible the Steelers have a lot of bad players on offense. I mean, I think George Pickens is a beast. Deontay Johnson, he's very frustrating, but there's no denying his talent, his ability to get open. It's just a matter of is he going to catch the ball and is he going to run forward after he catches it. But after those two guys, I, I don't know. I mean, Kenny, it starts with Kenny Pickett. I'm, I'm starting to have a lot of doubts about him. He says he's going to play Thursday night. He's a tough guy. I think he's a winner at heart, but it takes until the fourth quarter for that you to really see that. Just week after week, this offense just can't get anything going in the first half. And, you know, I think this team, like, is going to find a way to win enough games to be in that nine-win range, maybe sneak into the playoffs. But it's just, it, it's just the same thing year after year, week after week with this team where this just like you know there's a floor but you also know there's a ceiling yeah there's their ceiling offensively was last week first the rams although maybe not maybe it is maybe it wasn't but because they didn't score like a ton of points but it was only 24 but they, points but they it, looked that was their best week offensively at least how it looked because right just uh, being able yeah, to move they made, the ball they made a ton of plays they moved the ball down the field passing the ball down the field <laughs> middle of the field <laughs> like actually some creative All the things plays. that every other nfl offense does except for matt canada's both deontay and george pickens were solid both running backs were solid both scoring touchdowns yeah and yeah that looked like the first sign of hey maybe we you guys got something in terms of an offense kind of like the patriots are last week eight like hey <laughs> we have one great week offensively like maybe we can keep this up but no it's it's just more of the same for both our teams <laughs> yeah no it's it's just very frustrating and knowing that even when the defense does play great I mean it was there was one blown play with the, the long Travis ETN touchdown but two fumbles uh two fumble recoveries uh interception of Trevor Lawrence in the, in the end zone like all these things the defense did their part like that should have been more yeah, than the, enough yeah, to the, win a football game but the offense yeah. just could not capitalize take out the ETN play yeah they pretty much limited them offensively uh, I know Evan Ingram he had a ton of catches but it's not like any of their guys had a ton of yards either no I mean the Jaguars were able to move the ball down the field but they but they, but they, they couldn't but they didn't score, score a ton, they only scored 20 points so right right yeah, a lot so the, of field goals and and in poor weather too so the, the Steelers defense granted they faced a, a good offense they did a good enough job to keep them in in the contention of winning that game but the just their the Steelers offense just did absolutely nothing yeah I mean the tone was set from the first play of the game Deontay Johnson 
down the middle of the field. It at a minimum, it's a twenty-five to thirty-yard gain, but he drops the ball off like his hands. It's, yeah, that <laughs> right, exactly. And it's just like that's just okay. That's the offense that we're gonna have the rest of the game, and it's a combination of bad weather and you know maybe not the best throw from Kenny Pickett, but still, I mean, <laughs> with Deontay Johnson, like I appreciate him calling out the officials because in general nfl officiating is bad and i do think oh, it's the been Steelers got wretched the past two weeks say, we didn't even talk about the patriots i mean they definitely got you know there were some questionable the, the, calls in that one see i hate talking about the refs because it makes it it's it's like whining that oh, right if it oh yeah this, no, I were, we, no, i've always the, felt that way the refs are so di- far down the list when it comes to why the patriots lost that game that i don't even want to bother talking about it. but there were some brutal calls in that game where that the pi call was the one that drove me the craziest. Right, on J.C. Uh, Jackson. On J.C. Jackson. Even, mm-hmm. Well, J.C. Jackson, was. <laughs> this is the second time now he's been shredded by Tyreek this year on two different teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he, had a, he had a rough game again. But that P.I. call I did, I was not a fan of. I thought that was a brutal call at the time. Again, not that it mattered. It would have been 27 to 17 instead of 31 to 17. So I don't want to complain about it too much. But that was a bad call. And then... One thing that another call that was interesting, I didn't think. Look, so they picked up the flag, right? It was a the Dolphins got called for an eligible man downfield, but yeah, right. When they look at the replay, I I thought it was super ticky tack. Where I didn't I didn't think whoever the lineman was on that play, I didn't think it was I didn't think it was worth throwing the flag, right? Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden the refs. Uh, they decided to not call it, which I was okay with. But the way they called it was they actually said ineligible man downfield. And then they said 10 seconds later, oh, no flag on the no, play. No, no flag, like, right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to commit to one <laughs> call here. Uh, like I so said, you know how there are some calls where it's just they, they throw the flag, but then they talk it over and then they pick it up and it's like, oh, right. there's no flag on the play. If they did that, I would have been more That's more the, reasonable, the yeah. The fact but... that they actually ca- made the call and right. said ineligible man downfield. And then yep. all of a sudden, ten seconds later, oh, you know what? Never mind. That wasn't a flag. What? Yeah, and I, I saw I saw a screenshot of the ref. Um, so in an eligible man downfield, you like pat your head, and he's like flexing a big arm, and people are like, oh, that's his favorite call to make. So he didn't want to uh, miss an opportunity to do it. But uh, so that, yeah, that I mean, one I didn't have a huge problem with, just because uh, when I watched the replay, it's like ah, that wasn't a penalty, and but yeah. it was really weird the way how it, that was co- the, the way, way it, it was about, called was yeah. what I had a problem with. Oh, and then the the Parker hit, um, yeah, to the head where he got knocked out of the game, and then Juju finally came in. You know how was, you notice how Juju he didn't play until uh, Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker were both out with injuries. So something I did tells not me that, notice that. But so Juju he scored was, a touchdown. Uh, good for he him. He took advantage but of his time. <laughs> they're not even utilizing him in the offense no. to the point where no, I mean, he's, he's only out there because someone or multiple right. people got injured. It's like, so was he even going to play if it weren't for those guys getting hurt? I don't know. It's something. Something is fishy there. With like, I, I mean, I think he's healthy now, but. I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. It's just odd. Yeah. That, that's their that's their big free agent signing this year. Is a right. Kind of like wide receiver that's playing behind those guys that he should be playing ahead of, but he hasn't lived up to the contract, and now he's <laughs> coming into the fourth quarter of games that he's dressed for. It's just odd. 
Yeah, I mean, he's certainly a player that could have potentially been traded, but I have no idea what his value is right now, no especially clue. you yeah. know on a three-year contract. So I'm not totally surprised that he's still sticking around. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the Seals game, like there were also calls that were like, so a week ago I said, you know, every team gets screwed over by the refs. Every team gets benefits by the refs. Last week, the Seals benefited on that fourth down call at the end of the game. But this week, it was like a stretch of a lot of plays altogether. I thought the DeMonte Casey roughing the passer call on Trevor Lawrence, just another one of them. What are we even doing here? Like, what is happening to the sport? And it was just by definition okay maybe it's a body weight but you're talking about like a linebacker safety hybrid this isn't some giant 350 pound nose tackle taking out trevor lawrence and it makes it even worse when kenny pickett goes down with an injury on another big hit and that also isn't flagged so you know whether or not that was legal or illegal the whole point is protecting quarterbacks and you have a hit where he gets driven into the ground and leaves the game and isn't able to come back uh to me the i think like the big one though that i'm really not sure about is the fact that the Steelers got called for covering the guard on a field goal attempt and Mike Pereira even responded to it saying that is for those push plays like that is a health and safety thing and and then you see like a replay where a Jaguars player's helmet is lined up in the neutral zone so it's just offsides on an offensive lineman on a field goal just a ridiculous call and it it was a huge impact on the game because the Steelers could have at least made it nine to six going to the half of momentum and said you're down nine to three feeling like he's got screwed over by the refs because Boswell couldn't make a 61 yarder in Akersher in the, the pouring rain so yeah, he had no chance of making that. It's already hard enough to make it a field goal in that stadium, but in that weather, right. it's that far away. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's impressive you made it from 56. And at that point, it's like, there's no shot this is going to go in. And look, like, But again, kind of going back to the root of this. Yes, officiating was a problem, but that is there are so many other things that were an issue for the Steelers today. And I think a lot of it just came down to execution. Whether it was Deontay Jobson, Johnson, I think I just called him Deontay Dropson, dropping a, a ball, <laughs> or Kenny Pickett just you know not in, being able to find him in the end zone on that third and goal from the five. It, it looked bad because Johnson slipped. It was because it was an off-target throw. He's wide open in the end zone, ten yards away from him, and he can't even hit him. Like there's things like that. The running game was just useless. Did nothing in this one. It's just very frustrating, just you know how this this offense is kind of played out together, and you know even in a game where the defense it, does everything in their power to keep Jacksonville off the the board, the Steelers' offense just cannot take advantage at all. See, with the Steelers' offense, it's it's so easy and rightfully so to say, oh, Matt Canada is the problem; he should be fired, and right. he probably is the biggest reason, the number one reason. But like you said, in this game. Yes, you want to blame him for a lot of the struggles, but also comes down to the players and their execution, like you said. And when the running game, like when like the running backs are doing not doing anything, and Deontay is dropping passes like he always does, and and then Trubisky comes in, and they're they're and even I, before he comes in, Pickett wasn't looking that great either. When the, when there are that many, not just one factor, but a dozen factors on why the offense is not moving the way they should be that's when you know you, you don't have a good offense where it's not right. just one particular problem it's 
problems everywhere around the offense yeah no and I think the entire offensive coaching staff is an issue particularly Matt Canada and then you know the offensive line I, I just can't and the old line too there's I can't believe that all of those too. players are individually terrible I mean there's a lot of guys who have had successes and you know I mean Roger Jones is a rookie it's verdict still out on him he's looked good but I mean James Daniels and Isaac Samalu both of them got big contracts in free agency the past two years for a reason I refuse to believe that they're not quality players and that you know there's there's issues with something in terms of how the offense operates. And I'd love to see what Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris and the offensive line look like with a real offensive coordinator. But I don't necessarily know that the results would be all that great because you know you see these moments where they're just not executing well, regardless of how the offense is designed and plays are being called. And it's just, I don't know. It's kind of a deflating I, feeling, especially after the preseason, seeing how good the offense looked in those three games to just, you know, look even worse than last year. I remember, I remember when we talked about the North, the NFC North preview, we were talking about like, Hey, Browns versus Steelers. And I reluctantly said the Browns, but as the preseason went on, it's like, wow, Deshaun Watson has been struggling in training camp. And then I see these again, very short, small samples, but it's like, wow, the Steelers offense actually looks half decent. And Kenny Pickett looks like he could have a good sophomore season, but yeah, it's been at least they, at least they have a decent record. I mean, yeah, I know, gonna, right? It's like they're going to be in the hunt with eight or nine games, probably. Yeah. Well, and that's I wanted the Steelers to make a move. Like there are all these rumors about trading for Jalen Johnson, cornerback from the Bears. I was all over that second round pick for a number one cornerback. Like shore up the defense because as great as like the front seven is, and Minka Fitzpatrick is now is hurt. Brutal. The secondary needs help. Yeah. So yeah. I would have been all about it because I just want to see the Steelers make the playoffs. I want to give myself at least some hope and then figure things out down the stretch. But it's also possible you just end up in this, oh, well, they're good enough. Like, things worked well. Like, let's keep everyone around. Let's extend Mike Tomlin. Let's extend Matt Canada. Let's keep Kenny Pickett in the fold. And I guess that's the dangers. And maybe they're better off bottoming out. But it goes back to that. I don't want to root against the Steelers. I don't want them to lose. I don't want the team to just build this culture. But I also feel like everything is stale right now and it's just it's not going anywhere and this team needs wholesale changes but at the same time I want to enjoy my Sundays in November and December and watch a team actually look good on both sides of the ball for more than you know a, a quarter just a if couple that. drives <laughs> right so yeah it's uh I, I mean Thursday night football Steelers play the Titans at home short week supposedly Kenny Pickett's gonna play you should be able to shred it yeah, I would like they just to traded think their so. best. <laughs> Kevin Byard's gone. Kevin yeah, Kevin Byard's gone. They just traded their their best player in their secondary, a, a secondary that already stinks. Yeah, and it it feels like this is an opportunity for the Steelers' offense to to make some some moves here. But then I also look at the other side, and it's like, what is Will Levis going to do? Yeah, he was four awesome touchdowns. in his first game. Yeah. yeah, Kenny Pickett never does that. And I know people say, oh, his OPI on DeAndre Hopkins, or you know, like he made some catches and plays that inflated his stats. Kenny Pickett's never had that happen to him. He is George Pickens. George Pickens is a monster. He had one catch in this game, went for 22 yards, and half of those were running through multiple uh, Jaguars defenders to get into so, the end zone. Like, so you're starting to doubt Kenny Pickett a little bit more than... Yeah, no, than, I'm really starting to... Yes, yes, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I came in with high expectations, and I just... You know, he wins the game in the fourth quarter. Like, I think the Steelers could have won the game if he didn't get hurt, and he, you know, had something in him that Trubisky didn't have. But it's just frustrating that he can never have, like, a 300-yard passing game. He never throw a bunch of touchdowns. It's just, he's just so limited right now. See, I don't love Pickett, but he's someone that I I, want to see more 
more more of a sample size. We've seen a, a what uh, a a full calendar year now of what Kenny Pickett is like as a starter, and you see yeah. flashes of him, right? Yeah, like late the in these flashes. games, the, the Ravens game in week was it sixteen last year? Yeah, week seventeen. Week yeah, seventeen on the okay. road last year on the year, road yeah. on Sunday night, and the oh, and same same team at home this past uh, this year and the couple weeks ago where. Again, even their offense sucked. He came out in the the last five minutes and and balled and yeah, and so I don't know. Like there could be an intangible with Peckett where even though there's a lot of struggles, he has a lot of struggles. There are moments where he's looked great and he's um, clutch. Yeah, he's a great. I can't say the same thing about my quarterback right now. <laughs> no, I get it. I know he finally had his first what game winning drive. Yeah, he of his it, w- against the Bills week. and his other one was against the Texans. It was like, well, you shouldn't even be losing. Oh, that true. Game. That's right. I forgot about that one. But yeah. I don't. I don't even really count that one. But the Bills one, yeah, that's <laughs> a legit one. Uh-huh. And I didn't think he had that in them. But okay, great. He did it once, but just way more of a sample size of him not coming through than than actually mm-hmm. coming through and. Yeah, and Kenny Pickett's the opposite. He has so many of these fourth quarter comeback drives now. Like, you know, a few that stand out, but there's others. Like, even last year, he had one against the Colts, so one against the Raiders in the Franco Harris uh, Christmas Eve game. And then the Dolphins won where that that interception wasn't good. No, but he had a huge completion over the middle to Pat Frymuth on like a fourth and 20. Yeah, right. I do remember that. You saw, you see these moments, but it's also like you look at the score and it's like, oh yeah, he scored a touchdown to get the series to seventeen points in a game. Like it's just, it's really, really difficult to like fully buy into him. Just see, knowing I, that I don't, the first I'm half not, is as terrible as it is. Yeah, I, I agree that it's difficult to buy into him. I'm if I had to pick, I'm I'd be I'm mostly out on him than in on him. But there are moments where he's looked great in end of games which i don't i think i think you should value i do oh i value uh, you it should, a ton. you should value having a quarterback that <laughs> uh, has kind of an it factor like look at the right. the patriots dolphins matchup you got two quarterbacks that are they don't have the greatest arm talent but i think one major difference is that tua handles adversity so much better than mac jones because you see in the, the that game or tua he has this horrible interception i don't know if mm-hmm. you saw it but it was it was a horrible pick and I, I definitely saw the mac jones one to jalen ramsey see th- that's the thing is that uh-huh. Tua after he throws that horrible pick he still bounces back and they score on the next three possessions and including a couple touchdowns well mac jones the, the second he throws a horrible pick it's game over <laughs> like uh-huh. the cowboys the cowboys turnovers the game was already over he throws a pick six versus the saints and they never come back from that pick six and they get shut out and and then you see, yeah, and then that Ramsey pick. Like, yeah, I know Jalen Ramsey's a good corner, but that was just a, you just, a float. Yeah, just a to float. I could have picked that off. Uh, that, that, that was a joke of a pass. And so anytime Mac Jones makes picks like that, he doesn't really handle adversity well and mm-hmm. doesn't really uh, get you know the Patriots back in the game and you already think it's over. Uh, so I, I think that's a, I think it's an, an intangible that you need to have uh, to – you know, have a good quarterback is that I know it's cliche, but that it factor and mm-hmm. Kenny Pick has shown it at times, but I agree that there's also a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of moments where it hasn't looked good. But, I think it's dumb to completely write him off. I think that yeah, a that's lot the of thing. people, he's, he's in that camp of him, Jordan Love. Uh, well, Jordan Love looks kind of bad <laughs> now, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Where it's, uh, where he, he doesn't look Sam great, Howell, but, I but think you could don't want to completely write him off. Either. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, right. Or like you've seen enough of a sample size of him coming up big in moments, but it's also like, is he ever going to be a guy Great, that you can or anything re- like? Is he going to be the guy who is the reason why you win a game from start to finish? Right now, it's T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, you know, other guys on the defense, and then Kenny Pickett and George Pickens connect on a touchdown late in the game, and that's that's the recipe. And when Kenny Pickett gets hurt in the second quarter, well, okay, Mitch isn't going to do that. I would rather see Mason Rudolph at this point. Like, oh, I I'm glad oh, that man. Mitchell Trubisky is stuck around. At least Rudolph is different. I mean, I'd like to see what he can do in this offense. Just throw deep balls all game and hope that George Pickens comes down with them because anytime Mitch Trubisky tries to air out the ball, it ends up in the other team's hands. <laughs> Man, Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> Mason Rudolph. Is Landry Jones still there too? <laughs> right, yeah, like check in and oh, see man. what he's up to. Honestly, look, there's... They've had some it's bad uh, quarterbacks, at, uh, yeah. obviously, besides Ben. Cause I know. A, He's impossible to replace right now. And it's just like, I get it. Like so many Steelers fans want to compare to to Ben Rosberg. It's like, okay, this is a guy who's there for 18 years and a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's going to be difficult to go one for one replacement there but but those guys are brutal besides Pickett he's he's half decent but those other three of Trubisky uh Mason Rudolph I know Landry Jones is not there but but he was for a time and he's yeah I mean he was never expected to be anything he was always a backup quarterback if that I mean Michael Vick (laughs) had him for a few few games uh, there (laughs) even as a scrub I'd still take Uh, him I know he did have that he'll always have that one uh win over the Chargers on Monday Night Football Remember that game? Vividly. That was a fun one. Yeah, like the 72-yard pass to Marcus Wheaton for a touchdown, and then and Le'Veon and then Bell. Le'Veon gets the last yeah. carry at the last second of the game. Right, yeah, bold call. It worked out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like even thinking back on that, it's like the, this team they've has always been able to find ways to win ugly. Like the and it's it's nice to you know at the end of the day be like, all right, Steelers have more wins than losses, but it's just – you know, week after week, just seeing the same thing and knowing that you need the defense to have just some crazy moments. And even then it might not be enough because the offense is that bad. It's just, it's just frustrating. That's and a, that's the I don't know what the it. fix is, but it, it feels like this team, like you mentioned wanting new coach, new quarterback. I think that I can certainly see myself being there next year. I, I would like to see Mike Tomlin hire real OC, but if he doesn't do that, then it's going to be all right. Just let his contract expire. Let him go somewhere else because it's getting to the point, you know, people are making the Andy Reid Eagles comparison for five years now where it's just, it gets stale. You know, the message just isn't there. I think he's a great coach. I think that there are a lot of teams you can go to and have instant success. And I would certainly root for him, but I just think his time is quickly running out in Pittsburgh. So yeah, I could say the same thing <laughs> yeah, about your guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's, uh, let's move on here and let's talk about some of the other action from week eight. Um, certainly some good teams to talk about unlike ours. Um, though the first one, it's kind of a, kind of a sad, good team. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. They won three in a row. Things are looking great. Kirk Cousins playing the best he's been and tears his Achilles. He's now oh, done for the year. Oh, that one hurt. <laughs> Cause the Vikings were the way they've looked these last few games, you could talk yourself into saying, hey, they're still in this and they could still be a playoff team. Division's probably out of hand. Well, not too out of hand, but two games out, but. It wasn't but, impossible. Yeah, it's not. Like, right. It's not impossible for them to make for for them to make more noise in the in that division and, you know, compete for a playoff spot. But now that Kirk is out and they didn't do anything to replace him. 
traded for Josh Dobbs, which I think he's had a he's had he had moments with the Cardinals. Yeah, I think look, he's someone who I think can give the Vikings somewhat of a chance, but their offense is not going to be the same with him versus Kirk Cousins. I just I don't think he's going to step in and just start throwing for three hundred fifty yards just because he has Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison to throw to. I, I I'm I mean like there aren't there wasn't like a lot of great options out there. Um what you what Tannehill, Mac Jones. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean well a lot of people were saying Jameis Winston was actually yeah, close J- to Jameis, in, right? That would have been fun. That would have been fun. Having Jameis go there. <laughs> I'm not I'm not know, saying you'd have been good, but it would have been happen. it would have been a right. lot of fun. I think yeah, I would have I mean, picked him. <laughs> we've seen Jameis Winston with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin put up a lot of great numbers. So why not see him? The, with, the one uh, quarterback the that could put up weapons. great numbers for both sides of the field. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you right. could throw multiple pick sixes and also throw four touchdowns. Legendary 2019 season. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I mean, at this point it, it feels like, uh, you know, the, the Vikings, it's just, they put themselves in this bad position with those wins that they've had because they're one and four. You know, they could have kind of blown things up, put themselves in a great spot to move on from Kirk Cousins. And they, I mean, I guess it's possible they could still go four and 13. I think Dobbs will, you know, and the rest of their team, there should be enough for them to get a few wins here. But I just don't think it's going to be enough for them to get in a position where they're going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May pretty easily. Oh, they're, they're, no, they're, no, they're not going to. The Vi- even without Kirk, the Vikings. I'm not saying they're great, but they're they're too good to suck that much. If that right. makes sense, they're, yeah, they're, they're not. They, will they miss the playoffs? I would say it's more likely than not now that they'll miss the playoffs than make it. But to be in the position to draft, <laughs> be at the top, they're not, of the dra- right. no, they're not going to be. They're, that they're, high. they're too good, uh, uh, even without Kirk, uh, to to be competing for <laughs> a number one pick or anything like that. No. Yeah, and I guess, like, they obviously had a plan going into the season, not extending Kirk Cousins, you know, letting him be a free agent, but also continuing to be the quarterback and thinking that he can lead them to wins. So I don't know that they were necessarily banking on being one of the worst teams in the league, but I think it's going to be very interesting how this plays out, you know, both from a Vikings perspective and then also from a Kirk Cousins perspective. How does coming off a torn Achilles affect his contract situation you know are teams going to be as well, interested just his play in, yeah like, his play in general of course well i mean that's well uh, to compare it to the, the rogers play. situation see rogers he tore his left achilles and With, kirk cousins tore his right achilles so that's which his i think it, foot. which i yeah exactly my point is that that's why people are saying oh rogers has a minuscule chance of coming back this year because it's not his plant foot it's his left foot well kirk cousins is actually his plant foot uh, okay. right side of course and that puts that actually pressure. makes sense yeah i didn't really think about that i was say Which, i mean the jets are talking like aaron Rodgers is coming back joe douglas said that they plan on him returning at some point which is crazy to think about but yeah i mean his plant foot at 35 36 years old like that does sound like a very alarming injury it's funny that when when there were all those talks about him coming back uh for the playoffs <laughs> were happening when <laughs> for Rodgers <laughs> uh, I laughed at that not because of the 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 timing on how long it would take for Rodgers to heal I laughed at that because I thought the Jets were gonna be the absolute worst team with Zach Wilson and they've actually have won some games with him yeah right I know they're four and three now I, like they're beating up on bad teams uh but they did beat but the they Eagles, also beat the Eagles so, yeah uh <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it, this that I mean, that was a interesting, you know, Tommy DeVito getting thrown out there for the <laughs> Danny Giants. Danny DeVito's and then, goofy cousin out there. Yeah, they just. <laughs> Right, I mean, he's he's a he's a funny guy. I I didn't really uh, follow him too closely in in college when he was at Syracuse in Illinois, but apparently he was a character then, like very much Italian, like guy quarterbacking this team. Um, and uh, anyway, though, I guess just going back to to the Vikings, Kirk Cousins situation, have, you don't know when he's going to recover. Like you don't know what that's going to factor in timelines when it comes to getting ready for training camp next year especially if he's on a new team I mean it's just it's a really bad scenario Uh, and it's a tough situation I mean he's someone who I think a lot of people are really growing to like the more they see him and you know the locker room videos Netflix quarterback like there's there's been a lot of people who are kind of even if they don't want to say he's a great quarterback they think he's a phenomenal person great teammate you see you see the clips of him where he's already hurt and you see him still cheering on his team and I saw today that he was still signing autographs for a bunch of fans. I don't know how many fans, but he was signing. I saw this one picture where he was signing of uh, signing memorabilia for a fan with his torn Achilles, where he's got one knee like on a whatever you call that thing, uh, mm-hmm. stretcher, whatever it's called. I don't know what it is, but you see him injured, standing there <laughs> signing signing memorabilia. I don't know. It's like he could have easily just passed on that. And so, yeah, yeah the Netflix no, thing, uh, I'm already a fan of the guy and you watch Netflix. It makes me even a bigger fan of him. Uh, not yeah. that he's like some Hall of Fame quarterback or anything, but just solid quarterback, solid guy. Yeah. So definitely a tough loss for uh, for the Vikings in the league. Um, I guess oh, you know, sp- some brutal injuries this year, which I know is the case pretty much every year. But I don't know. There have been some pretty devastating injuries this year. Um, yeah. With a lot of guys, <laughs> just seeing just seeing some of the potential quarterbacks that could play this week is just gross. With <laughs> <laughs> we got Bajent and Rippin and Clayton Tune. Wait, Cl- Clayton Tune. Clayton yeah. Tune with Arizona. Clayton Tune. Yeah. yeah, just it's just gross seeing what quarterbacks we could see out there in just yeah, week right. nine. Uh huh. Yeah, and I guess you know just oh so, oh, the... and Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say also maybe Jordan Love. I mean yeah. the Packers. Let's put, stink. let's put let's put like, yeah. I, I I didn't necessarily have the highest expectation for them, but they're a really bad football team. Oh, I know. And, uh, it, it's I, just even... funny thinking back in the NFC North preview. We wasted so much time debating the Bears and the Packers as being a potential playoff team, and it's like no, they're both terrible. I mean, I was definitely in on Minnesota and Detroit, <laughs> but. I'm not going to hate on – at the time, I wasn't going to hate on anybody for picking the Bears or Packers as potential sleepers. Yeah, a lot maybe of people the, were, like, the really high on bit, Green Bay. But, but, but I don't know, uh-huh. Justin Fields was fun to watch, even though they only won, like, three games. And yeah, they brought right. in DJ Moore and a couple other guys. Uh, and, then, and then they drafted a tackle in the top ten. So if you could talk yourself, even though I was against it – I don't think it was totally stupid to be in on one of those teams as a potential sleeper, but yeah, the way it's looked these past few weeks, it's like, wow, the yeah, the Packers are losing convincingly to teams like Denver and Minnesota. Well, Minnesota has been good, but yeah, but it was also lately, like but- coming off a win over the Niners Monday night football short week and then going on the road. Like I kind of understand the idea that, Oh, this could be a, a letdown spot for Minnesota. And it was just never, it was the complete opposite. The were gonna lose. Yeah. yeah. And then so. Aaron, Aaron Jones, he had one great game versus Chicago and 
it's it's that's it's a weird situation with his hamstring injury where it's like oh he's he's uh fully practicing like oh but he's not 100 percent like well right <laughs> like what's going on with him and then what christian watson the most absurd efficiency of all time from a receiver not literally but it's crazy he would put up absurd numbers in terms of just the touchdowns he'd score uh, mm-hmm. but now he's like not even really doing anything much at no. all this year and yeah no i mean the, their whole team has been very frustrating i guess you know some some fun stats the uh the milwaukee brewers have more playoff or more victories in the month of october than the green bay packers and the brewers played they won a single game in october they got yeah, swept I, in the playoffs I, there there was a time before the raiders patriots game where i love that stat where the red Sox had more runs than the patriots had points uh, oh yeah month, right in the month of october in the, and the, the red uh, sox played one game in october game. and the yep. patriots had two games <laughs> of of just scoring three points yeah one. you say the same thing about the bucks over the packers and their season just started a week ago so <laughs> yeah tough tough month for the cheeseheads in green bay so yeah they're they're not going anywhere no no they're still no, better no. than the bears <laughs> but i mean they did win head so to head. So I guess that argument they was a, that to- a total for waste for, uh, for <laughs> and I, but, but, but it's not like they're going anywhere either. No, no. I mean, it, it's definitely feeling like a, a Lions, uh, like their their path to winning the, the NFC North feels very comfortable right now unless Josh Dobbs or Jaron Hall lights it up in Minnesota or some disaster strikes in Detroit, which I suppose is not impossible given yeah, that you, it is the Detroit were, Lions. If you were to ask me who are the locks to win the division now – I would say Detroit is one because of the Kirk Cousins injury. I still would have picked mm-hmm. Detroit at this point, but but now with the Kirk Cousins injury, it's like all right, like Detroit is probably the biggest lock to win their division. I second on that list, I would say Kansas City, but at the same time, they just lost to Denver. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, well, okay, so I guess we can we can jump into that game right now, Kansas City. First time losing to the Broncos since 2015. Patrick Mahomes was sick. He They had five turnovers. But, yeah, I mean, Kansas City, they were winning games. Um, but, you know, both their performances against the Broncos, not very inspiring, and especially this one losing 24-9 to like that. The first one, I well, I'll admit, I didn't get to watch m- most of that game because uh, Amazon can kiss my ass. But um, Oh, wait, what happened? <laughs> it's just... It's just I don't know, just connection issues and oh, password damn. issues. It just, it was just a mess. Like so, yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get to watch really that game much, but, um, but you never felt like they were gonna lose that game. No, no, I never um, did. But in this game, I kept saying to myself, I still think the Broncos are gonna blow it. The, the, the Broncos are still gonna blow it. <laughs> I kept saying to <laughs> they myself, just never did. Even, and, yeah. and just like okay, like once, once the Broncos got up scored and scored again like all right like yeah the Broncos are gonna win now the Chiefs didn't even score a touchdown and I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of glad that they finally lost just because after they lost the Detroit I I just constantly said to myself you know they'll still be really good they'll still win the division all that but their wide receiver core is what will hold them back and for what six straight weeks I was like oh maybe maybe it won't be a problem maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll still uh, be really great as long as they have Kelsey out there uh but yeah, that was a game where even I look, Denver looked pretty good, but that's you should still easily beat Denver, even if it's on the road in the snow. 
Uh, it wasn't even in the snow. It wasn't even in the snow. snow in, like, there was the snow stands. in the stands, right before uh, the game. But I, I'm I'm still hold. I'm still stick sticking with that take that the Chiefs like uh, they need more other receiving core or really need to add to it <laughs> because Nicole Hardman came back and of course yeah, he and then he, and he muffed a punt. <laughs> Uh, and he wasn't even good when he was here <laughs> or when he was with no oh, the first i thought time he around. was right everyone thought when he was drafted you wrote him he was off earlier than i should kill. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no um, and uh no i i agree the chiefs wide receiver core is a big issue and apparently travis kelsey only plays well when taylor swift is in attendance because he averages like 160 yards incredible. per game versus like 40 yards without her the and st- now she's going on tour so yeah the stats are pretty incredible on how how well he does when she's out there uh, watching the game and when she's not, but yeah, the the, the Chiefs they need so much more out of, after Kelsey and I think Rasheed Rice. They need to get him more involved because when he's, he's out there, he does make plays, uh-huh. but at the same time, right. he's his snap count is not that high, but it is increasing a little bit. He's and young. Cor- he's a rookie, and it makes and, sense to get him out there more. And I remember your biggest impacts for this division were two guys. One of them was him, and the other is. Sky Moore, it's just it was more Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, but yeah. Oh, Sky or oh, and it was not biggest impact. It was under pressure, most right under pressure. pressure. Okay, so I have a terrible memory, but (laughs) man, those two guys suck. (laughs) Tony and and like Rashi Rice, I think is there's something there, and then MVS. I don't think he sucks, but you know what you're getting out of him. He'll make a couple big plays, but that's it. He's Uh, a great go ball guy, right? But Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore blow. Yeah, they're you're right. They're just not great wide receivers. Oh, <laughs> they both that, that they, drop they, by Sky Moore yeah. in the end zone. They'll both always have their one catch for a touchdown in, in the, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the Chiefs. I, I'm surprised the Chiefs didn't make a bigger move. Uh, I mean, part of it is just apparently no one was really open for business or whatever. But I thought this was a team. I mean, if they could manage to find a way to get Mike Evans, when that was like a possibility, the, the Bucks receivers they'd be were in talked perfect about a lot, spirit. but. The Bucks mm-hmm. have been okay this year. Where they I know it's like they end up being guys. better. They're not right. They're not sucking or tanking. Like they're actually in it in their own division right now. Although I mean they they have lost three in a row. So, but of course, yeah, being three and four in the NFC South is not like being three and four in other divisions. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean if they were able to get like an impact player like that, I think the Chiefs would be in a fantastic spot um oh, I, I would totally I, I would totally change my opinion <laughs> yeah right, deandre hopkins i mean if the chiefs like all offseason said we don't need deandre hopkins if they just went out and got deandre hopkins i think they'd be in very good shape right now and they just they're they're wide receiver core it is definitely a problem and i don't think it's going to hold them back every single game but yeah i mean it's certainly possible that when it comes down to it like that's uh, going to be the reason why they can't get over yeah, the hump the, and win a back-to-back super bowl that's that's my point is that i don't think Chiefs are they're still going to win the division. They're still going to win double digit games and they're still going to be one of the best teams in the AFC and really the, probably the league too. But I just think that issue will eventually catch up to them. And again, it didn't last year, but they had Juju who I know sucks now and <laughs> wasn't as good as I he's... thought he'd be last year, but he did have enough games, especially the most important game where he did yeah, make an impact. Where he was great. Right. I know they then. Yeah. They have not been able to replace him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey, like, it is uh, very much like a concern if he's not going to be that number one tight end every single week. This offense is not going to – it's going to be held back. So they need uh, they need to find a way to get Taylor Swift to cancel her international heiress tour. <laughs> 
Have you listened to the uh, the 1989 Taylor's version? I have. I have listened to it a little bit. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, lie. yeah. No, I mean, I did too. That's that's my favorite Taylor Swift album. So, see, it, was, it's obviously my top five since, of course, we did uh, <laughs> the uh, uh-huh. draft, and I I made the point that I was gonna pick five songs for my five favorite albums, and I picked one from 1989. Uh, so it's obviously a top five album for me. But would it put it number one? Probably not. But that doesn't mean I don't like the album. Obviously, I do. See, yeah, it's the only Taylor Swift album I've listened to start to finish. So if I be, if I decided I was going to be more of a Swifty and like take the time to listen to all of her music, I might change that. But I'm perfectly fine just having one Taylor Swift album where I know all of the songs and then just you know just enough. I, I know enough. That's it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so. Um, I guess, you know, we can move on from the Chiefs and talk about another AFC contender, and that's one that is uh, heading in a really good direction right now, the Cincinnati Bengals. And on the flip side, uh, the San Francisco 49ers are in a really bad direction. Cincinnati's now won three in a row. San Francisco's now lost three in a row. And I think it's fair to say at this point, you know, Joe Burrow looks like he's healthy. If and, he's uh, healthy. The Bengals are, <laughs> Bengals are for healthy, real again. <laughs> it's funny you can put a for me uh in terms of thinking the ravens are the best team in the afc north <laughs> for me it's october 20 uh 23rd to like <laughs> october 30th or something like that like that where i thought yeah. about it for a week and after seeing what the Bengals did but particularly joe burrow did versus the niners that ended my thoughts on that <laughs> even yeah, though no, I, baltimore I totally has been it. great this year in a lot of games I'm still going to pick the Bengals <laughs> if they're going to look like that. Uh, I think T. Yeah, I mean, needs to get involved a little bit more, but their offense is slowly getting back to what we've seen these past couple seasons. Yeah, what, 28 for 32, 285 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Against a uh, good defense. I don't care if they've struggled of late. It's still a good defense. And it's only getting No, you're right. It is still, yeah, it is still a good defense. I do think that the Niners have concerns on both sides of the ball at this point. And, you know, seeing the team at 5-3, and three, like, something is off there. Because after that Cowboys game, they looked like the best team in football. And right now, they're not even first place in the division very quickly afterwards. But... I do think you have to give a lot of credit to the Bengals, the way they played on both sides of the ball in this one, you know, especially on offense, because the offense has been a problem. And, you know, their last game before the bye against Seattle, they started off strong and then did nothing after did the nothing first after quarter. That. Yeah, their, their offense, yeah, they, they had, they've had their moments where, versus the Cardinals. Right. But, but, like but things... the Cardinals were even in that game for most of it. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, yeah, the Seattle game, they looked great in the first half, but did squat in the second half. So they right, have, and then this one finally ha- put it all together. Exactly. They they finally had a game where start to finish, they looked great. And I, it looks like Burrow's calf is, it looks good now. <laughs> but yeah, it I mean, was a it huge seems concern like for, most, uh-huh. for a good chunk of this year. But uh, if, if there was a team that needed a bye week, it was them, probably. Yeah, uh, I know. It came at a really good time for them, uh, you know, this early in the season, kind of getting Joe Burrow healthy and on track and they play the bills on Sunday night football. Buffalo has not been playing great right now. So I think this will be a, you know, kind of a good litmus test for both of these teams. You know, can Buffalo have a a win over a a really good team and then can Cincinnati just continue to keep it rolling against a team that's not playing great football. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely starting to buy into the Bengals' chances again. Which you know, you look and you see they're four and three, last place in the AFC North. But it definitely feels like they're in a good spot to, to keep things going. They do have a loss to the Ravens at home already. They do have to play them at Baltimore. They are a couple games back there, so I definitely think it's still possible the Ravens uh, are able to win that division over them. And I don't think it's a lock. You know, there's still a lot of football to be played in this division, but it's definitely. Uh, Feeling like the Bengals are, you know, they're on the verge of being back to where where you thought they would be at the beginning of the year, um, you know, before football started being played. Even if the Ravens win the division, if the Bengals look like how they did versus San Francisco, I, I'll still pick them as the best team in the division, even if they don't win it. The, mm-hmm. the, the no, I mean that's that's fair to say. Then at that point, it comes down to playoffs and how things right. go about there. Um, the Niners on the the flip side right now it's like you know I still want to believe that you know when this team is fully healthy they're the best team in football but I don't know are they going to be fully healthy because you know you take away Trent Williams and Debo Samuel and you know you've had we saw Christian McCaffrey at times and the the offense is not look very great and then the defense is also struggling in back-to-back weeks now. And, you know, maybe Chase Young bringing him in, all of a sudden the, this this defense is going to be, you know, the number one defense we thought they were again. But I love that I move for them. I think it's, <laughs> their, yeah, it's a their great... De- their defensive line is unfair now. With <laughs> it is, Bosa, it is unreal. I, Young, uh, Armstead. <laughs> well, assuming that Chase Young plays like the guy you he's think not, that he was. Look, which... He's not what he was... His last year at Ohio State, his his first year with the Commanders, where that was the peak of his best years, but a third round pick, I'll take my chances, especially that team. Right, they made the best move of the deadline last year. It could happen again. Yeah, no, definitely. I, so I think I, that they would have been better served addressing the secondary. But yes, I like, I like that the them Niners are. They continue to be buyers, even though they're already good, but they are mm-hmm. struggling right now. And I do agree that. Even though they have a great defense, the secondary is the weaker part of their of their defense, and that was the same. That was the case last year too. Yeah, right. I mean, they they got to Joe Burrow three times, so you know the pass rush it, it did something in this one. But and, and Burrow it's... had a couple plays where he really did a good job of escaping sacks, where mm-hmm. could that could have been a higher total. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily feel like Chase Young is like the biggest need to shore up this defense. I it's guess just, it's is just my fun. Pause on it. But I, yeah, I, sure. I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, reuniting the you know him and Bosa played in college together at Ohio State. So, but yeah, no, I understand what you mean. I think, also, I think the concerns are this. This might sound crazy, but I think the concerns are more on the offensive side of the football. Because no, I completely agree with that. Okay, because because like, their I, offensive line. It's really just Trent Williams and then four guys that are just okay. And yeah, I mean, if Trent lose, Williams can't you, be out Trent there. Williams is the arguably, if not the best lineman in the league, even at Probably. his age. Yeah. And you lose him, and your offensive line is completely different and, and not in a good way either. Um, and then having Debo, yes, McCaffrey is the best weapon on their offense, but Debo is someone that can make such an impact on as a rusher and a uh, as a receiver and a runner and not that McCaffrey yeah, I mean, doesn't like, either but right. just losing he's one, not a big drop off there one of those uh, two guys is gonna hurt your offense uh yeah pretty badly yeah I mean George Hill had an awesome game and Brandon Ayuk has, has Ayuk, had a yeah. really, has had a really good season but I still think Debo yeah it's it's obvious he, he's he's losing him is not gonna it's gonna hurt your offense mm-hmm. yeah and I guess 
I don't know if my me souring on Brock Purdy is because I actually see him not play well when you take away some of his weapons, or it's because his play, you know, costly interceptions and, you know, not playing amazing football has led to a Browns win, a fantasy football loss for me, and a Bengals win. It's been a tough three weeks, and it's just kind of made me hate the guy more and more, but it's just like... You know, would I have the same kind of feelings if he was doing that against, you know, just some other random team where I didn't just have you, him as my quarterback for you, a week? You have a better reason to be down on Purdy than I do. I, uh-huh. It's the same thing with me with Purdy that I want to give credit to the guy when he does well, but I don't want to give too much credit when he does well where, oh, I think he's in the MVP conversation, right. elite quarterback, but I think he deserves his due when he does play well. And then same thing when he doesn't play well. It's okay. Yeah, he's struggling right now, but I don't want to say, oh, he sucks. No, it's over. Find mm-hmm. another guy. Put in Darnold. Like I don't like I don't want to go that far either. Where yes, he has he's had a bad stretch uh, of recently in these past few weeks, but that doesn't mean I want to bench him or find another guy for the time being. I, I I'm I'm still holding out faith for him. He's he's shown enough over the past calendar year that that I still think the Niners are, yes, it's a little concerning, but I'm not pressing the panic button. Even after three losses in a row, even finally losing at home since the first time since they lost to Kansas City at home in McCaffrey's debut with, with San Francisco, it's, I'm, I'm still, it's concerning. It definitely is. Don't get me wrong, but I still think. It's probably the right word to use. Yeah. I'm not, it's not full panic button. I'm not pressing the panic button yet, but it's, definitely concerning you lose three in a row and you're that good of a team you yeah gotta be concerned a little no and i guess it's just one of those kind of reminders of just seeing this team constantly fall short year after year and you know they have talent on both yeah. sides of the ball that, but it just that, something goes wrong it's always injuries and now we're kinda, seeing that, what happens again that's kind of what I mentioned the niners in the preview that like they're always going to be in the mix but they They've made what three of the last four NFC Championship games, but no Super Bowls. Well, one Super Bowl appearance, but no Super Bowl rings to show for it. And mm-hmm. at some point, you have to get over the hump. And um, yeah, so it definitely is concerning. And yeah, I mean, it starts with having your best players on the field. Yeah. So, and they haven't even played the Eagles yet, who who have no. obviously looked um, are obviously what the best team in the league right now, record wise at least. Yeah, we'll see. Eagles-Cowboys this week. I'm really interested to see how that one plays out, especially with Dallas coming off a 43-20 to pounding of the Rams, which is just like classic Cowboys at home against a, an inferior opponent and just looking like the best team That's in football. That's what they always do. If they play uh, a sh- if they Well, the Rams aren't a shitty team, but they're not great either. They're not a great team. They're yeah. not a great team. So when it comes to teams like that, yeah, the Cowboys, they can just totally shut shut down the, the opponent the opponent that they play but the second they play a team like philly or san francisco or whatever they're gonna look like shit again yeah no it, it's certainly that, that's certainly always possible, been especially the, that's been the story philly, for as long as uh, i can remember with this team yeah for so many years now um so i guess just you know real quickly here you know you we mentioned bosa and chase young at ohio state uh they just released the first college football playoff rankings ohio state number one georgia number two Michigan, Florida State, Washington, Oregon after that. So interesting uh, The committee going there. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot to go. I, I think my biggest complaint, Air Force is only number 25. They're like 17 now in the AP poll. I, I, I want to see Air Force in a 
one of like the the big uh, bowl games, like expand the, Peach the playoff. Bowl or whatever. Yeah, I know. Oh, true. Like what, ne- well, what next year, year they would be in the playoffs. What year probably. is the playoff expanded? Next year. Okay. Next year. And how many yeah. teams? Eight. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Twelve. Right. You get campus. No, seriously. Games. I think I. I I would be more interested with more. Now, I'm not saying they got to be like college basketball and give us a 64 team tournament or anything, but yeah, that but 12 teams. Excessive. I'm assuming it'd be like the old NFL playoff format where four teams get a buy. Four buys. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you the, get four I, four campus site games. Yeah. Four the, buys the, and then I, yeah, use neutral see, sites. See, I that would make me more more interested, but at the same time, I could totally see it end up like baseball, where it's like, <laughs> it's oh, just... great, we have this playoff. It still ends up being Georgia versus whoever the next best team is, right? So, so yeah, if which that were I to think happen, is pretty realistic to happen anyway. But... Right. So if that were to happen, it's like, oh, great. Well, why did we waste our time with this? <laughs> yeah, I know we get more upsets, but I, I do like that more teams will have a shot to get in. No, but... I agree with that. It's it's. I mean, I like the idea when they came up with the idea of not just two teams in the national right, championship giving, game, giving four, giving four teams, and yeah. I'm not saying they got again not increase it to an absurd level, but twelve is a good number. Yeah, I think I think twelve is a really good number. It, it was I was kind of against expansion at first because I bought into the whole well, it doesn't matter because the top the, you already know there's like a clear top two or three teams anyway. But I do think it's going to be more fun and more exciting for a lot of other fan bases around the country. So, uh, anyway, though, just a couple more NFL games that I think are worth mentioning here. So, one of them we kind of talked about the Bengals and the Niners. Niners are no longer first place in the NFC West because the Seahawks are, and uh, Seattle not necessarily the the best uh, looking win. You could say their uniforms might be the best looking oh, ones. I know a lot of people are big fans of those throwbacks. Some, yeah. some of these uniforms that that we've seen. Of late, I've been have looked awesome. Like the right. Eagles oh, one on Sunday fan. night. I I love the Kelly Green Eagles. Oh, I those, think that's my favorite. Nice. But the Seahawks is like right below. I mean, there, there's some really good ones. I'll yeah. say my take is I don't like the Bucks creamsicle uniforms. I some I people for, absolutely I love them. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I don't care not for, for me. them either. Okay. This might, this might sound crazy, but the the their best jerseys are the ones when Tom Brady was there, where um like the the, the home the just the regular home white it's a regular ones. red yeah or, no like the white the white ones oh okay yeah i mean well they wear that on the home and home and road uh-huh some of the ones some teams wear their best uniform is just their regular ones like they wear like the chargers right. powder blue <laughs> love those are those the best ones. yeah i know so i hate good. when they do anything different uh what's my favorite patriots one the 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 throwback red <laughs> the red <laughs> and, ones right see i don't want that to, i don't want them to make that the permanent home jersey because if they did then i'd be like ah i don't care for this jersey but the fact that they only show it once once or twice a year it's like oh i love it when they right it makes it special it It makes it special Uh like the the eagles kelly green ones would i want that to be the permanent one maybe maybe not but seeing it that one time on sunday night football uh, oh my god those are nice right right i know and it, it is one of those things where like some of those where it's like you know they're not the uniforms anymore you know, for a reason, like you need to kind of freshen things up a little and modernize and stuff. So uh, I am curious if any of these teams do decide to go fully back to those, but it's also like you watch some of them and it's like, man, I remember the nineties, you know, just like seeing highlights and stuff of like Reggie white. And I don't even know who was playing on the Seahawks back then, but (laughs) um, I definitely recognize those, those uniform schemes they have there. But regardless, 
I think that one of the big stories of this games is more along the lines of the Browns and uh, you know, Kevin Zafanski is certainly under fire for his decision to throw the ball downfield on a third and three late in the game that ended up in an interception because who's his quarterback, not the $230 million Deshaun Watson, but PJ Walker and, uh, PJ Walker is reckless, man. <laughs> like he yeah, might there's be too a reason, fearless. Uh, there's I'll a reason why he's a career backup. Uh, at I'll take best. him over most like, backups, though. At least he actually tries to make a play <laughs> compared to most backups I mean, who are just afraid to move, afraid to do anything but check down. At least he actually tries to push the ball down the field. But <laughs> yeah, PJ Walker might be a little too fearless, a little too reckless at times. Yeah, it's. I, I have liked P.J. Walker. I think he's a fun story, you know, coming out of the XFL. He's someone who, you know, he's he's had some good he wins made as plays a with the Panthers last but, year. Yeah, he did. But you've also, I think we've seen enough to know that he's not a yeah, he's not starting quarterback in the not. NFL. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this Browns team, it is it is very funny just seeing them, you know, be this great on defense and then just have this liability at offense because their quarterback situation, whether it's the guy that they gave this insane contract to, uh, is on the field or not on the field and nobody understands why. Like, they just can't it's have a, really a functional offense. I, I believe he's hurt. But I do too. But it's but it's, it's so strange odd. that there's it's strange, there's just strange. been like no updates the, the, on it. Like no one Colts understands game. what's happening. Like oh, he's perfectly fine. Yeah, he's active. He's ready to go. Two interceptions, and then he's he's he's, he's on the sideline. Like oh, he has a concussion. Oh, but he cleared concussion protocol. So he's wearing he's a helmet. Go back right. out there. Like no, he's just going to stand no. there on the sideline for four quarters. Right. <laughs> like what, what? What? I don't know. Something is odd there. He's in a situation that is very unique compared to the rest of the league in that he has guaranteed money. I don't know it's, how the Browns can get out of this, and he can't be forced to play because it's not even, he's going to make money either game. way. It's not even just that game. Week four. Oh, he's expected to play. Okay, great. Right, and then out of nowhere. Hours later, he's 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 ruled out. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. bye week. Uh, he'll give some time to rest in week five with a bye. Okay, he'll be back for week six. Thursday, not even Friday or Saturday or Sunday, he's ruled out. Right. What after a it's whole just, week? It's such a strange Yeah, it's such a strange situation that's happening there and I don't know how much of it is he just doesn't want to play or what, but it is it's a scenario where, you know, when that happened, it's easy to be like, man, the Browns just got a Pro Bowl quarterback, like, you know, it sucks, like he's not a great person. I don't want to root for him. But it he's actually kind of trash too as a quarterback. Yeah, right. It actually hasn't worked out. Like I thought for sure, like, you know, they were gonna end up being a good football team and they just continue to I mean, this year the defense is phenomenal. Last I know. year the defense <laughs> was the issue, but you know, I, I thought maybe they would go out and get Jacoby Brissett, you know, bring him back and I think that Watson is eventually going to go out there and just, you know, be relied on, but it's also it, the way everything is played out. I don't know that it's just purely like a shoulder injury that's going to heal over time and he'll be great again. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to think of it. It's it's just odd where in college he he wins the national championship game and he's Really, he's really likable at the time. Like, just fun to watch. Yeah, but oh, also he seemed like a likable guy. I remember absolutely. that first that first game with Houston. He donated his check to multiple lunch ladies who uh, there was like this. There was this hurricane in Houston. Yeah, Hurricane Harvey. I mean, it was a in, brutal in, in hurricane. Twenty seventeen. Uh-huh. It's like wow, like this guy is fun to watch, and he's a likable guy. I, 
and now it's just like, I don't want even he's he's obviously horrible when it comes to that stuff off the field but now he legit sucks uh on the field too I don't know it, yeah I mean it's cool I'm not, when it I'm comes not to yeah him. right <laughs> I'm not complaining about it I think I think it's awesome I hope he continues to suck when he goes <laughs> out there but yeah I mean uh on the other hand like you know Seattle though I think that the Seahawks are a good football team, but I don't know that I can call them a great team just based on results that I've seen from them week to week. Like this is a game that like they jump out to a pretty good start and then it felt like they should have lost this one. And I don't know if it's just Geno Smith is just a very average quarterback or, you know, if the the defense is not quite Legion of Boone-esque, but it just feels like something is missing with the Seahawks team. Uh, And I know that coming into the year, you were really high on them as in my just downplaying them or you do still think that they're like one of the best teams in the NFC? Um, I I still put Philly ahead of them. I even still put San Francisco ahead of them. I know that doesn't look great right now. I still think it's fair Even after three losses in a row and with Seattle now in first place, I actually still think San Francisco is better. Detroit, I know, look, Detroit, they're beating up on just shit teams, but they have looked good doing, doing that. And, you know, outside of the Baltimore game, they've been even look, they, they lost to Seattle, but that could have 37, gone, 31 and over could have gone either way in that game. Mm-hmm. So outside of the Baltimore game, Detroit has I think they've looked better, but I'd put them in the tier with Detroit. So I think they're yeah, the Seahawks play at Baltimore fourth best so team in the, in the NFC. Comparison. Is that fair? After after Philly, San Francisco and Detroit. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I I'll take it out of Dallas. I don't care. I think I would still put <laughs> Dallas ahead of them. Is my thing, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I think the Seahawks team is kind of like where I thought that they would be in sense of I thought, okay, they were going to still be a good team this year, but like they're just going to kind of be middle of the pack in the mix, from like middle a of the pack respect. Yeah, right. So I I don't know. I guess just like with this team, our I'm not o- sure. It, what it seems it is like our here, only real but... disagreement is Dallas. <laughs> Okay. No, that's because we put the other three teams ahead of them, right? So the yeah, but I mean, just kind of like the way that their season is played out. I guess it's just a lot of games where it's like they're either losing games that it's like, man, I feel like they should have won this, or they're winning games not very convincingly. I mean, the 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 one their one convincing win was against one of the worst teams in the NFL and the Giants. Yeah, and even that, it was like I don't know if convincing is the right word to put it. I know the defense like is disruptive, like what eleven sacks, you know, pick six and all this stuff. But I, I think it's just looking at the offense. It just no, the, hasn't. The Giants just suck that much. <laughs> right. Exactly. Week one, the offense did nothing, but or Dak did nothing really, but they won forty to nothing because their defense and their special teams destroyed the Giants because right. they're so. Giants are so Which I bad. think I think a lot of teams kind of do that. So I don't even look at that game and be like, oh yeah, it's a great win for the Seahawks. So I just I don't know. I feel like with Seattle right now, I can see things kind of coming together, but maybe a lot of it is just their offensive weapons. Like I thought that they were going to be loaded with their big three of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And all three have been okay. Yeah, and Matt Cass J- dealt with JSN's injuries. Done. He's JSN's coming around nothing. late, but he did yeah, nothing. He did have the game-winning like, touchdown. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he did nothing for the first five or six weeks. Right. So I'm still waiting for Seattle to kind of convince me that, you know, they're they're actually better than they were last year. and They're not just kind of I a, think, you know, decent I, football I'm not team. disagreeing with you. I think they've been good, but not great. I agree. Okay. Well, I still think they're top. I think, I think they're behind Philly, San Francisco, and Detroit. 
That's how then Seattle. That's how I'd rank it. Yeah, which I mean that's fair. I think you know regardless like they're a top 5 team in the NFC, but it's also like it feels like they're closer to 6 and 7 than they are to, you know, 1 2 3. So um and I guess you know like there's probably other games we could have talked about. I think the last one that's kind of worth addressing here, uh we're not going to have a winless team this year. Carolina Panthers finally got a win. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, battle of one versus two. And um I don't know that this one game is enough to say the Panthers made the right choice. Uh, Bryce no. Young did outplay CJ Stroud, <laughs> no. but no. it is like, you at least have to be like, okay, you know what? The Panthers, like if you're a Panthers fan, this was a game that they absolutely had to win. And the fact that they were able to do it, even though it's 15 to 13, not, you know, the, the most fun and exciting game, I think being they, able to, they had to, to win that game team that drafted the other guy, the other right. quarterback that was at the top of the draft. That they I know could Richardson, have taken. I know Richardson was at the top of the draft, but it really was between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud for a time being, while Richardson yes. just skyrocketed up the board. Yeah, I mean, he was always like the number three guy. It was always those two, one, two, and yeah. then, yeah, coming off a bye at home. You know, the, the Texans, I think, have been much better this year than a lot of people expected. Like, they're very much a competent team. I'd say this is kind of a loss where it's like, eh, maybe put the playoffs on hold. If you can't beat the Panthers, like, you know, they're going to win some games, but I don't think that they're going to be a serious threat when it's all said and done. Uh, but it, it's definitely a big win for Carolina and, you know, for their fans and Bryce Young. And I I don't know. I, I like Bryce Young. Uh, I do think that he he played solid in this game. Uh, but it, you know, the the way that their season has played out, knowing they might potentially give up the number one overall pick, like this, it's still going to take a lot more for me to be convinced that he is, uh, he's worth everything that they sacrificed yeah, to get him. I, I already don't think it's worth it. <laughs> I already think they made a mistake with with uh with that move. It is possible that they traded Bryce Young, or I guess to acquire Bryce Young, they traded DJ Moore. Jalen Carter, Caleb Williams, and more. If oh they end up God. with the worst record in the league, because yeah, their number one pick goes to Chicago. Say what you want about the Bears, at least they've made some moves that I think can potentially work out. Although they've made moves that potentially don't don't work out with that Chase Claypool move, and they traded a second round pick for a, a rental today too. Yeah, which I feel like they have to sign Montez Sweat. There's no way they would just oh, they give up a second to. round pick for second nine round games. Pick of him. For a rental would yeah, when you're two crazy. and six, like you have to you have to try to build around him. Which I think the Bears have a lot of pieces they should build around. I don't blame them for not trading them away. As much as I wanted, you know, the Steelers to get Jalen Johnson, I think they're better off extending him. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think that Carolina is—they're still in a tough spot, and you know, the Bears definitely are gonna come out on um, looking, feeling pretty good about themselves at least at the end of the year in terms of that trade. Uh, but it, it is good to see Bryce Young get a, a win here. Um, you know, the Panthers are one and six; they need a lot more to go. They do play the Bears on Thursday Night Football in a couple of weeks, which is kind of gross, gross to think about. <laughs> Uh, now, there is a but, game uh, where I wish Amazon would crap crap out for me. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like just ahead of uh, before it's Bear, able to Bears be Commanders two two years in a row on Thursday Night Football. It's right. just insane to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, I don't blame Al Michaels for struggling through these games. Oh, he doesn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> he does not care, which I kind I, I admire kind of. 
I admire yeah, that well, and the fact that he's never eaten a vegetable in his 70 plus years on just, this planet. I mean, that that is just insane to think about. It, it feels <laughs> like it I can't have had be some real. vegetables. <laughs> like, mashed yeah, potatoes. I mean, and- my issue with, with Al Michaels um, at this point is just like, I hate that he's kind of going out on a sad note and that, you know, he's getting to the point where people are actually disrespecting him because he is like arguably oh, the, one the greatest. Of the ever. Yeah, I mean, one that the miracle on ice call, like it it's iconic <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's not very fun seeing seeing that and Thursday Night Football is already tough to watch uh, I'm sure that he won't be a huge fan of the Steelers Titans game this week on Thursday night <laughs> there could so. be a lot of points in that game with the the bad secondaries though both of them I mean there maybe, could maybe. be but like I don't know that I trust either no, of I wouldn't the trust offenses that. I, to fully I'm trying to play it up so. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying uh, but I don't blame you, especially being a fan of one of the teams. Yeah, I hope TJ Watt eats Will Levis alive and uh, he isn't able to, to air it out at all to DeAndre Hopkins for 50-yard touchdowns again. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those are some things to look forward to here. So, um, But anyway, NFL Week 8 in the books. Uh, certainly more football to talk about. But let's uh, let's quickly wrap up, give some thoughts on the World Series. So we're recording before Game 4. At this point, it's 2-1 to one Texas Rangers. And I think it's been a relatively exciting World Series. Certainly Game 1 a game was an awesome game, way to get things started. Uh, game 1, I'll give you, because that Corey Seager home run hasn't landed yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and then Dulles Garcia has the walk off, which was yeah, just a legendary postseason from him. Yeah, he's he's definitely been great. Both both of them, Seager and Garcia. Right. Yeah, but, I mean uh, Seager's proven to be worth all that money that they paid him two years yeah, ago, which I I would not have said at the time. Right. Uh, I, oh, I, I know. I didn't think it was worth it at the time, but that's definitely not true. He's definitely been worth it. But yeah, game one I'll give you, but game two was a blowout. Uh, Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely yeah, rebounded, one. and then game three. Okay, uh, I think it was Seeker that hit another home run, and yep, and then nice home run from him. One more run, and that was really it. And yeah, I mean, well, the Diamondbacks blew a chance pretty early. Uh, made that they could have had first and third, nobody out, and um, I think Christian Walker, Gamecock, he ran through the the sign and got thrown out at home by Garcia, who is like one of the best arms in baseball, on top of being a, an electric hitter. And uh, yeah, that that definitely hurt their their chances early on. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a super exciting game. I'll, I'll give you that. I did not really watch a whole lot of this one. I I will admit, um, Friday night. I was at a Halloween party and I was kind of trying to tune into the game, but not really. And I pulled up my phone and saw it was five to five in the 11th inning. And I was like, dang, I should start watching this. And then I put my phone back in my pocket. And the next thing I know, I get a notification. I missed a walk off home run. So I was like, well, you know what? I deserve that. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, it is kind of sucked that that's probably going to be the best game in the series and would have been like a great one to be able to, you know, say this is why baseball is still like fun and exciting to watch. Doesn't matter if it's two teams I don't care about. But the the hardcore, the the most hardcore of baseball fans after game one is like, see, baseball is exciting. All like, the old takes exposed, uh, you know, about the, the series, but yeah. Look, the World Series, though, no matter who's in it, has been competitive for the most part. I think eight of the last 10 World Series have gone six plus games, which is which is pretty good. Yeah, that or, sounds right. Yeah. And like outside of what, Red Sox, Dodgers, I think pretty much. Yeah, that went part, five. 
Which, which I mean, that had an 18 in a game in it. Right. So. And then Mets Royals was uh, also that was like, also five. Yeah, but the other, but every other than that, pretty much every World Series from 2013 on has been. You generally don't know who's going to win the World Series, so um, at least so you can give baseball that. But I just I just find the matchup, like what I said last last week, I still find the matchup to be not that appealing. Uh, no, I, I totally get it. I understand. I mean, you're talking about the Texas Rangers are the more exciting team in this. And it like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's Dallas. Like it's, you know, it's a big market, but this is a team that, you know, they've hadn't been relevant in like six or seven years. And then the out of nowhere. Haven't been relevant since the days of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. Yeah. 20, they, 22 years ago, which actually, yeah. Uh, side note, did you see the, the Randy Johnson Halloween costume that I was going viral? <laughs> that was that's, awesome. That's one of the best costumes. <laughs> yeah. Ideas. So it was like a, a couple dressed up as Randy Johnson yep. and, and then, then the, a dead the bird, the bird. That he, yeah, killed in a, which spring training, I think it was. And great, great actually idea. I'm pretty sure Zach Allen this year also had that instance happen where he threw a ball or I think he was playing warm-up toss and had a ball hit a bird so people were saying oh at 2001 Randy Johnson does it Dimax won the World Series 2023 are they gonna do it so did you that, see the I mean, clip another... of uh so George Bush throughout the first pitch in the, yep, in the game three world, yeah, world I mean it's the greatest first pitch of World Series in baseball yeah, history given the moment of course with yeah. what happened that in year. New York right after 9-11, 9/11. right down the middle but yeah, from there the were, mound. There, I saw a video of clips side by side where George Bush comes out, throws out the first pitch, right? Uh-huh. And then tying home run in the ninth inning by a lefty batter, hitting it to right field, and then extra innings. Was it Corey righty- Seager? Well, it was Corey like, Se- yeah, it was Corey showing Seager. Showing the Corey Seager. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Showing the Corey Seager home run side by side with whoever on the Yankees hit the home run in the ninth inning to tie the game, hitting a home run to right uh-huh. field. And then. Uh-huh. It showed Jeter and Garcia hitting a walk off home run to right righty batters hitting it to right field, and it was like wow, interesting, like, this is yeah, a total flashback for the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks are going to win the World Series, right? So right there you go. <laughs> that that tells you all you need to know. Uh, man, was it Scott Brogius who hit the game tying home run? For the I Yankees. feel like it was a yeah. I feel like it was a player like that who is yeah, like, not the, one of the. Like, fact the, that I don't know who the player was. Of. It was probably someone like that. Scott Brogius broke the tie with an RBS. Oh, wait. It was game three, right? Yeah. It might not have been game... Okay. It was not game three when it happened. I think... Yeah. So, no, it wasn't game three. It was game four when Derek Jeter. So, it wasn't the same game. It wasn't the game that George Bush threw out the first pitch. Oh, so that video was... Uh, <laughs> so that video, that video fooled me. Then great, never mind. Yeah, no, it was it was two different games. It was yeah with uh yeah Byung Young Kim. He he was pitching. Byung Young um, Kim was so bad. Yeah, <laughs> that, that series like, he, he was, was awful. Good, he was yeah, but he was a good uh, pitcher. But man, he sucked in that series, and he sucked for the Red Sox. It was Tino Martinez who hit oh, the okay. home run into the right center field bleachers. All right. And then, yeah, welcome to November baseball, and then Derek Jeter home run. So, I'll show you that clip also, afterwards. But yeah, no, I'm I'm curious what it is. Like, I I think uh, that that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't seen that. So, uh, but that that is that is kind of cool to to think about there. And um, we'll see. I mean, down two to one at this point, Arizona's got to at the minimum they have to go into Arlington, but they also won two games in Philly. 
<laughs> to to make Which it to I the didn't World think Series. Was possible. So yeah, they definitely uh, at least showed that they can win on the road. They won two games in LA, two games in Milwaukee. So as a team, it doesn't necessarily matter where they're playing. They're able to you know get opportunities, take advantage of them. Though you say the same same thing about the Rangers because they also came as a wild card and had to go on the road in their first two series. I, mean, so. I didn't. I thought it was over for both teams. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, to, right. Oh, I thought both were coming. No, I thought it was over no. for both teams, but especially the Rangers. <laughs> the way right, they I, lost going, Game Five. Right, I know. Losing three straight at home and you know blowing it with the, the Altuve home run in the yeah. Top when the, the Altuve ninth. home run happened, I'm like, great. The Astros are going to win the World Series now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't necessarily go that far, but I at least said, great. The Astros are going to go to the World well, Series. Okay, now, so. that's going too far. But you, you know uh-huh. what I mean. The pessimistic. That was also me. when I was right. No, I get it. Uh huh. That was when I was thinking it was going to be Houston, Philly as well. Right. And, uh, you know, ended up Texas, Arizona. So, yeah. Um. So game four Wednesday, I think Arizona bounces back and ties it two to two. I say game four Wednesday. I mean game four Wednesday morning. Like you know, that's gonna be the reaction. Two to two, best of three to end the series. That's gonna be my prediction. Actually, it's another gross thing. Just talking about this, um, Arizona's starting pitcher is middle reliever Joe Mantiply. In game four of the World Series, we got a bullpen game, which is just. Not a huge fan of that. Also, Andrew Heaney's pitching for Texas. John Gray was supposed to be the starter, but Max Scherzer got hurt, of course. So, John Gray. Had I, to I, come I in hate and the pitch. bullpen strategy. I know it works for the Rays, but I I can't do it, man. A I, lot of teams, it, it's just I hate it in the there World were pitchers Series. Pitchers hundreds of years ago that could throw like twenty complete games in a year. I know, but they're also throwing like eighty-four mile an hour fastballs. Now know, everyone's throwing a still... hundred and getting Tommy John surgery. Still had so. guys like Nolan Ryan, not a hundred years ago, but yeah, like no, forty you're right. years There's, ago, uh-huh. still throwing uh, heat and uh, a lot of innings too. It's a lot of. I know it's hard to ask that and... from a, from pitchers today, but God, do we uh-huh. have to see bullpen games? That that well, I, that's when it Sandy goes Alcantara far. with the Marlins. He was the one, and then of course he he's now getting Tommy John. So. Just very, I, I just hate it. I yeah. I want to I want to see workhorse pitchers carry their teams to victories. Yeah, no, it's it's always cool when, 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 it happens, they, when they put the but, team on their back. That's that's right. I, I mean, like Madison sports. Bumgarner, but even uh, then he was out of. Yeah, the he sucks now, but that was a yeah perfect example though. He like uh, legendary, and yes, he does, he's not the hardest thrower, but dude won two games and then he came in for what a five inning save in game seven yeah something like that and then uh, the tying yeah, it was four run, or five innings the tying run is 90 feet away after that whole play with with yeah, uh, near inside the park Gregor Blanco run. gives up the, the the ball and Alex Gordon hits Alex a Gordon tri- tri- yeah. hits a triple like, like that was exciting and that's like he put the team on his back in that in that series in that game like I want to mm-hmm. see that with from pitchers not one inning here, one inning there, one inning for the next guy. I I hate that. It's not. It's yeah, not, I mean, not a fan of it. Chris Sale did that for the Red Sox and then got the worst contract extension in the team history. Okay, one example of it not working out in our, <laughs> in our favor. Uh, no, hey, look, the flags fly forever, right? I always get that that banner. So, yeah, I uh, 
I, I'm definitely going to make more of an effort to tune into the remainder of this World Series. Especially, I want to see it end. I always love. One of my favorite things to do is watch YouTube video compilations of yep. the last out of the World Series. Yep, to the point where you did that at my house. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, I think I've gone I've gone as far back. I want to say 1960 is as far back as it's gone, which is oh, the uh, the famous Bill Mazeroski home run. Most of them, it's like 1990 onwards. See, but, I see. I love doing that too, but I, I I have never gone that back that far. But yeah, well, I mean, that's just however you many you can find out there. You know, there's only so much footage for stuff of those. <laughs> yeah, which I think is part of it. But yeah, no, it's always fun. Um, kind of seeing those, kind of rec- remembering. Some no, of there, the calls no, there, and stuff. there definitely, definitely been some really cool endings to World Series. Like obviously the Red Sox ones were biased, but but the yeah, I mean just the, in general the 4 one yeah. of course is. St- is up there, uh, Joe Carter. Right, yeah, touch them all, Joe. He never uh, hit a. Was it Renteria like that hit the walk off first? Yeah, for the, for the Marlins. Luis, yep, Gonzalez. Luis Gonzalez. That was a cool yep. one. Yeah, there, there, def- uh, there are definitely some other cool ones that I'm missing, but. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, Dan Schulman. The for the first time ever, World Series flag will fly north of the border, or something like that. When the Blue Jays won the first time before Joe Carter. Um. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a a lot of a lot of cool moments that come out of baseball. I think you know that you get moments like buzzer beaters and overtime goals and you know game winning field goals and touchdowns and stuff. But I think baseball has a lot more of those really exciting like finishing moments because you always have a last out or you you know when you get the walk off hits as well. So I agree with that for the most part. I think hockey still. I don't know. They have plenty of exciting. Not maybe not last year, just because the <laughs> Vegas just blew out Florida, and you already know who's going to win before the like the second period was even over. But I don't know. There are plenty of years where uh, it still comes down comes down to the last second. Like right. Like even in over yeah, the even in series where it's like a sweep or something, like you yeah. can still have an overtime game winning goal to clinch it. Yeah. So. But I agree that yeah. baseball, even if it's not a walk off home run, you could still it's still an exciting last out kind of thing. Yep. Yep. It's never just ending on like a kneel down or you know, <laughs> yeah. dribbling dribbling the ball. Dribbling out the ball yeah, dribbling the yeah. clock out. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's always more fun. So anyway, I think that'll do it for this one. So more football, more baseball. Um eventually we'll have some other things to throw out here. Maybe have a guest or two at some point. Um, but you know, for now we'll, uh, stick with the two of us. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Courtney Votney. Thanks everyone. (laughs) 